Welcome to Come and See, your podcast for finding truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by Living Waters Abide Ministries. With host and founder, Richard Case, and co-host and retreat leader, Kathy Riccone. Jesus reminds us to watch for the signs of his return. Today, we will explore further what we are seeing in our times that line up with what signs he said would indicate the potential of the end and his return. We will also discuss the practical meaning of this as we watch and as a remnant prepare as he so leads. And now your host, Richard Case. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, this is uh, End Times Friday, uh, and uh, we're very excited uh, to have uh, a a regular spot now, uh, Denny uh, Weinberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had him as a guest uh, that told us, gave us an update on Israel. And because of his insight, expertise, as well as connections with people in Israel, we can get real, real information because <laughs> uh, it's not filtered and, and Denny can do it. So Denny, uh, uh, thank you so much for mm-hmm. uh, joining us and, and being willing to do this regularly. We'll do this once a month. I have Denny as a regular spot here. Israel Update, we'll be calling it. And uh, Denny, first of all, just remind the audience uh, a little bit of uh, your background. You are uh, uh, Jewish and you became a Messianic Jew, but just give a, a brief summary of, of uh, you know, your Jewish heritage and then the fact, a little bit about the information about how, do you, how are you still connected with Israel since you have people over there that you know. Yeah, thanks, uh, Rich and Kathy. Fun to be back with you guys again. Uh, as Rich said, um, I grew up in the Midwest, an American Jew in a Reformed Jewish family, uh, very involved uh, in a local synagogue. Uh, my father was the president of the synagogue. My father's brother was a well-known Midwestern rabbi uh, in Milwaukee. Um, but I, I'd say what that does is it gives me a um, sort of a, a framework of, of what the uh, sort of the cultural view of the world of the united states of israel uh of you know the of scripture um from the perspective of somebody who's who's been a very americanized jew that's the family i came from uh, as rich said I, I i i became a believer at age 40 uh unexpected but as as happens you know my life was just very very touched by the by by who the messiah is uh, unexpectedly and um you know, I've been a different, like everybody, I've been a very different uh, person ever since. And uh, as Rich says, there's people that I went to grade school with all the way back to kindergarten. Mm. Uh, one in particular who lives in Tel Aviv, has lived there for many, many years um, and and operates, uh, uh, you know, in the world close to the IDF and the uh, especially those uh, military people who choose to come back to Israel to fight. And so I get a lot of interesting information there. And, um, you know, by staying in contact uh, with such folks. So happy to share. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's Uh, great to have your perspective and just your insight. I love this. What a great opportunity for us to have you on as a regular guest. Yes. Um, And uh, one thing about, remember that as we uh, are thinking about the end, uh, the center of the end is Israel. Um, We know a couple things about it. Uh, They last. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, we do know they've been reformed up as a country, um, and uh, they won the Six-Day War, uh, and then Netanyahu 
you know, stated back in 2012 that they considered themselves now a nation because over 51% of the true Jews around the world now live in Israel. Um, and so we can look at a statement that Jesus made that when the Israel returns as a nation is the beginning of the end. Uh, so we can take that as at least important. Uh, Israel's important. What happens there is important. Uh, and so, Denny, we're so excited to have somebody like you that can filter through, because in the United States, we get a very distorted view and very limited information about what's really going on there. And uh, even the last time was when he uh, began this as a guest, he really gave us a good perspective on the war with Hamas and really cleared up some things about how Israel looks at it and the truth of it all. So, so Denny, let us just start today with um, what is the latest uh, we know that the war is ongoing against Hamas, but lots of dynamics going on in the Middle East with Iran and, and uh, Russia and China and Syria. Uh, and more stuff in Lebanon now going Lebanon, on. Lebanon, right? and the United yeah. States is involved now with attacks from uh, the Red Sea. And So why don't you just kind of lay out what, what's an update on that, then we can, Kathy and I can ask you some questions. Yeah, it's interesting. Most recent conversations I've had, uh, if I was going to say, you know, most interesting insight, because there's always interesting mm. insights when I talk to people in Israel um, and, and uh, compare how they look at the world versus how we do. Mm. Uh, we look through so much through a U.S. political lens. They, uh, they look heavily at this through the, uh, through the information they get from the IDF directly. Mm. You know, the mm. military reports are very, very highly regarded in Israel. Now, by the way, by the way, Denny, um, Identify for the audience again exactly what is IDF, so that everyone knows exactly what you're referring to there. Yeah, the it would the Israel Defense Force. This this would be like us talking about the Joint Chiefs in the United States or whoever the the spokesman for the entire military complex in the United States. So um, it operates a very different role, it seems, in the minds of Israelis because for military they are there to protect the existence of israel because the existence of israel has been unquest has been unquestionably challenged for the entire life of the country and long before that and so this is really important to israelis how the reputation of the idf the reports of the idf how mm -hmm. they feel about the idf's performance and so can i interrupt you real quick on that so just to translate into my thinking like when i when i watch the news here I'll watch something from CNN, I'll watch something from Fox, and I'll look for some overlap to try to find a little bit of what might actually be true because everything's coming from skewed sources. You're saying IDF, they really feel, I think I think most of the U.S. believes our news is skewed one way or another, depending on the source. IDF, we feel like, is is just a pretty factual, this is what's going on kind of source for them. So they're not questioning the material that's coming out or being portrayed from that. Is that accurate? Yeah, and, and, and because this is this all com comes from a country that is threatened, uh, uh, is, whose own existence is threatened every day, <laughs> mm -hmm. there is not there is not a, nobody would tolerate there the idea of lack of any of, of, of anything other than pure honesty from the idea. I love that. Yeah, that's I, good. The, <laughs> people, the people are I, the IDF. There, you know, it's it's more the way we would think of our local fire department. You know, there's a sense of okay. fire that go up. This is the front line people. They're going to tell you what's really happening. 
So, so for example, yeah. the IDF issue, you know, uh, we know Israel, Israelis know exactly how many IDF soldiers have died. As of day 129 of the war, 230 mm -hmm. IDF soldiers are, have, have been killed in this operation. And, you know, that is, a, that is a great wound to the people of Israel. But they don't say because people are dying, because our military are dying, we ought to get out of the fight. You know, right. they mourn, you know, they know the names of everybody that, that, that has died. They know the rank. They know the situation that created it. They mm. want to they want to debrief and say, was there something about the battle that killed the three people that died on day 129 that could have been avoided? But um, but they absolutely recognize these people died to protect us. They died to protect mm. us. They went into incredibly dangerous situations. They climbed into tunnels that were booby trapped. They tried to, you know, on this day, they talk about trying to rescue and successfully rescuing two refugees after um, or, or hostages after, you know, really weeks and weeks and weeks since such has happened and losing some in the process. Mm. So, you know, it's there's a trust nature of this and a, and a pure protective nature of this relationship between the people and the IDF that we wouldn't understand here because mm. we suspect our government and the military in our minds get thrown into, well, which government side are they, you mm -hmm. know, are they really as associated with? We, we don't face the, no or, you know, at least we haven't in our history in a long time, face the notion that our country is going to be annihilated, but for us sending our, our young boys out and our young boys proudly, you know, going to fight. Mm. For the survival of the country that's how it is there and it would be uh yeah. by the way it would be uh young boys and women right girls uh boys and girls two years yeah. required mm. service for everybody at yeah. a certain age yeah and then one other oh, thing i didn't realize that one other thing that uh, is interesting um and i've no i have noticed this that they are so honest that they even report when they have friendly fire so to speak and Friendly fire mm -hmm. is where they, you know, they get into a battle and their own ammunition killed some of their own people. Mm -hmm. um, and they actually report that completely. They, they don't hide it. They don't right. cover it up. I tell you, that honesty is refreshing, right? <laughs> well, you know, a few days ago, we all heard this, that there were some hostages that were, that were freed. And I believe that even U.S. Uh, press said there was some IDF forces lost. There's a lot more lost on the other side. But what the Israeli people got was the video footage of the attack. Oh, wow. Step by step by step. And it's posted. Wow. We, can, we can see it too on uh, Ynet Net News. And you see the operation. You see the danger of the operation. So they're that, they're that um, you know, you know, clear in making sure people see what, mm -hmm. you know, what they're really encountering. Yeah. Wow. That's something. And they compare it. You know, they compare this to the, um, you know, to historic, um, um, you know, attacks like Entebbe is, is one that is that is referenced on this, that this particular action was was heroic in that way. Wow. Mm. And that, and what's the uh, what's the link for that, Denny? Why not? I'm going to tell you, it's it's why net news, uh, why net news, -E And then if somebody wants to find it, you can link this uh, a rich article slash R Y Z L Z W T O six. But I'll, I'll I'll forward this so you, so so uh, your your viewers can watch this and see this this actual footage. Great, mm. great. Well, tell us. Uh, so give us uh, you know what your what you understand is the latest uh, from your sources over there. What's what's happening over there? So the um, they view this they view this uh, especially this most recent set of actions over the last couple of weeks as as you know truly successful. They believe they are winning this. 
they have, uh, you know, um, what I read about is the nu- the percentage of all of the tunnels that have been destroyed, and it's a high percentage now. Mm-hmm. The number of Hamas, the percent number and percentage of Hamas um, who have been, uh, you know, uh, eliminated, and these are big numbers, and and sort of the how many, you know, what's left, how many are left, and where are they? They seem to have a pretty good sense of where the remaining hostages are. They are dealing directly with this issue of, of this massive population in the southern Gaza and how they're going to re even plans to reposition those people in temporary camps north of, uh, of um, uh, that that uh, that concentrated city so they can go in and, and basically clean up the remainder. They're trying to they're working with Egypt about how to get, you know, support mm-hmm. and help on the in that process. So what you hear from them is a lot of very, very positive steps um, to complete you know, to complete the mission. I I don't pick up anything that says that there's the slightest hesitancy to complete their mission as they stated it. Um, When I ask questions about sort of the political pressure from the United States and others, it's like, yes, they're aware of that. It's not very high on their, you know, on their um, list of concerns. They're, you know, they're just, it just isn't. I think they believe that they're going to do what they need to do and they're a sovereign country. And um, they may end up with, you know, you, you know, with some international relationships they've got to clean up, but it's just not driving their thinking as I, as I hear from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also pick up that there's a lot of deception in the, they, they're aware of a lot of deception in the reporting. They're a lot closer to the negotiations that are going on with some of these other countries on what this, the day two, um, you know, um, uh, process might look like for control of Gaza. I guess it was a disturbing report that I heard about that uh, the Palestinian Authority had decided that a member of the coalition should be that should be Hamas themselves to control Gaza. And they're like, not a chance in the world. So, you know, they have they, they see things that are just ridiculous. They view as just ridiculous and they won't be part of a of a working day, too. But they talk a lot about the day two issues and how important it is for them to begin deploying some of their thinking towards how to do that correctly. Yeah. So define that uh, for us, Denny. Um, what you know, what you call day two. What's day one, and then what's day two, mm-hmm. and what are they trying to achieve, knowing that um, again, what you stated last time, is that in America we tend to think, well, this is just being done by you know a couple hundred military leaders. Everybody else is innocent. Well, no, there's two million people that are. Uh, terrorists really considering uh, wanting to eliminate Israel. So what's what's their thought about if they can can go in and get control of it fully? Uh, what will they do? What you call day two, and how does the world have to play into that? Yeah, I, 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 on the one thing you said, Rich, about these are there's two million terrorists. I I, I sort of pressed that issue, uh, you know, and and. The analogy that was given to me was interesting. It was sort of like, think about public the way we might view public schools in the United States. Everyone that goes to a public school is not does not have a distorted view, but by virtue of be of being part of a public school, you're drawn into a line of thinking that might make that 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 might be very different than if you weren't. And so the idea is, well, do you have to get rid of everybody in public schools? No, you have to just reform public schools <laughs> to start teaching and stop, you know, trying to create social change. And so I think they have that similar thinking that these two million people have been so victimized by being forced into an environment that's where every element of learning and thinking has been about your life only has one purpose, and that's to that's to die while you're taking out, you know, taking out the enemy. 
And how they change that thinking with that large of a population is just a giant task. But they, they have that on their list of, of what's day two. So, so day one is fulfilling the mission, which is to eliminate Hamas. And they don't seem to hedge what eliminate Hamas means. They really mean eliminate Hamas. It's gone. Um, now you've got this massive population that has to be resettled. And, that, that, and that's complicated because who's going to govern it? We think of this as simply, is it a two-state solution or something else? What I hear is that, that the idea of a two-state solution is continually um, made impossible by terms like, well, one of the, you know, the seat at the table has to be occupied by Hamas, right? And, like what I just said. So it's a very complicated question of who, who would be trustworthy enough to oversee the, um, the rebuilding and sort of, you know, re- you know, whatever whatever the term would be, but but the the renormalization of the population of that area. They they they. I think they're spending a lot of time thinking about it. Again, they're not. I I don't pick up that they're just in this terrible quandary over that. Like we are. Oh my gosh. You know. I just don't. I think they think that is a is a normal set of decisions that would be made, and there are enough like-minded people in the Middle East that they seem to believe they're going to come to the right answer for that. And in the meantime, they're they've got a terrible. They've got a, a, a lot of challenges to finish up stay, day one issues because this massive population is now sitting over all the remaining military. Yeah. And the United mm -hmm. Nations is sitting over the remaining military. And there's questions about the United the UNRWA, the United Nations force that's there being complicit in all of this and facilitating the movement of, of weapons and the movement of, of militia back into you know protected quarters and all of that. So. I, what I pick up is they think of these as day-to-day -day exercises that have to be completed. They've got the capacity and the will to complete it, and they just will. Now, when you um, the two questions that come from that is one, um, uh, you said when day one the war against Hamas, what? How would they define that? What 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 brings that they say okay we did it? What what's what will define that they reach that goal? Hmm. Great question. Uh, well, I'm looking at one uh, one sheet here that says that the IDF estimates today there's 10,000 Hamas operatives in Rafah, their last stronghold. So that suggests that one of their definition is those 10,000 remaining Hamas operatives mm -hmm. will. And given, you know, what's taken place, that doesn't feel like an overwhelming. That's not getting rid of two million pe you know, people. That's not getting rid of, you know, but, or, or 100 people. But if they've got them identified, they know where they are, I think that at least would seem from what I what I see here that that would be one of their measures. Those ten thousand are, um, you know, rendered rendered um, uh, unable to fight somehow. Yeah. So it would hmm. it would seem like then the uh, uh, what they believe as active enemy would be gone, and then there would be no ability for them to regroup. Um, and come back together because they're trying to take care of all the tunnels and the supplies and everything else. So that makes sense. And do you have any thought about what they think is how long, how longer that's going to, how much longer that's going to take? Uh, they got more patience than we do when I asked that question. And, and I've asked that, you know, a couple of months ago. That it, um, I still think this is probably, they, they think this is probably a few more months. It's measured mm -hmm. in months, not days. Yep. Um, but they, but they clearly communicate you know, really, really um, uh, uh, continual progress that this is we might think this is slowed down because it's not in the news as much today. 
I think what they are saying is every day there's progress being made, substantial progress being mm -hmm. made. Yeah. And then the second question is, um, and you said it, that they have a solution for the area that the neighboring countries uh, would uh, accept and they would accept. What would be the what would be their thought about what that means on their side of it at the moment? How would they see, in order for Gaza to be functioning, and you said reformed, what what are they planning on doing or needing to to reform it? Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not sure I can answer that. They 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 really are sensitive to this idea of this massive population having a very distorted view of everything and even if hamas is gone you've got you've got to deal with that so that that seems to suggest a whole new um education initiative for the population because you really have then potential future hamas in the works is what you're talking about right if, if you need to re-educate here i think that's why rich you sort of you know sort of refers to this as you know you've got basically terrorists You've definitely got terrorists in training who don't even realize they're terrorists in training. This is the only reality they've ever known their entire life is how they've been readied for this. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, uh, you know, it's sort of like like a mass re-education program. But I, I know that's a that's a terrible way of thinking about it. But, you know, they they uh, um, the, 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 if you if you if you hear them talk about the at, at you know, at the household level. The interactions between Israeli military and local civilians. These are very, these are very pop, you know, they, have a, they, they can create a very popular, um, you know, sense of who they are as Israelis that, you know, maybe surprises a lot of people there. And so you, you got to imagine that this, even that would require the presence of a lot of Israelis in that area mm -hmm. so that the, the, um, what's been trained into them that these are monsters is well no they seem like they're actually human beings and they've got humanitarian you know desires and they have basically felt victimized they're in, you know they're as long as they've been a country by you know by threats that don't come from you know the, the people in the in the immediately adjacent areas they're not coming from egyptians on the south of of israel they're not coming from jordanians right on the uh, you know on the other side what they're coming from is you know countries in some cases that are very far away that have you know that have mm -hmm very different agenda so I, I think they have a sense that that who they really are will eventually be part of that formula but uh, and the facts that they may have on their side you know i think as believers we have we have a sense of something you know very very different going on here that 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 whole thing is a is a battle of the spirit and that may actually make it even harder you know or mm -hmm. take longer or it may take some twists Absolutely. and turns in the world are, are not you know are not what, what any of them are thinking about. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. So uh, that seems to be, it'll be interesting to talk through as we have you uh, monthly. We'll be uh, talking even more about that aspect of it is, uh, so there seems like there becomes, you know, kind of a, a coalition that supports it. But at some point, that all falls apart and then they all come back against Israel again, you know? And so, mm -hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to, to understand it. Whatever this happens to be is really a temporary thing, but it's a piece of the sequence of, of what happens, you know, as we approach, approach the end. So we'll, we'll be interested, Denny, to keep thinking about your connections over there of, you know, what do they see happening toward that? What do they see as the risk to that? What do they see as a long-term implication of that? 
and uh, we'll, we'll keep it up. So, Denny, thank you so much for uh, being our, our regular monthly input. What a great privilege it is, uh, Kathy, for us to have direct access to bypass all the baloney and just get real, <laughs> real information. And Denny, yeah, I love it. And Denny, your perspective, uh, you know, kind of because you're so thoughtful about this, is so helpful to us. So we just want to thank mm -hmm. thank you for that being that expert to serve us. And we hope our audience. If you got questions, by the way, that you'd like to ask, uh, send them in at questions at bideministries.com. Uh, we'll pass them along to Denny. Denny's more than happy to uh, provide an answer, and we'll and we'll get it out to everybody. And we can do that you know, in between sessions. So, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Father, we thank you for our brother Denny and um, what you placed him in, and we believe this is significant, uh, very, very important for our understanding and how we are to view it and to have impact on, our, on how you would speak to us as we learn it. And thank you for uh, his expertise, his heart, and mm -hmm. his ability to understand it spiritually. And we praise you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Denny, and thank you for joining us, everyone. Look forward to seeing you next time. Yep. See you then. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Come and See, your podcast for truth in a world of chaos. Brought to you by Living Waters Abide Ministries. Send us your questions and comments and tune in tomorrow for more answers to your personal questions about living life in God's truth. Remember, God's will is best and none better. His truth brings peace in this world of chaos.